welcome to this week's episode of Knowing God with Heart and Mind, a podcast or virtual classroom study presented each week by me, Pastor Dan, on behalf of the people of Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. Today's lesson is the resurrection of the body. This is uh, number 28 in 30 lessons from the Christian Believer class, and the original broadcast date is February 16th. 2018. Let's begin with a prayer. Sing with all the saints in glory, sing the resurrection song, death and sorrow, earth dark story, to the former days belong. All around the clouds are breaking, soon the storms of time shall cease, in God's likeness we awakening know the everlasting peace. Life eternal, heaven rejoices, Jesus lives, who once was dead. Join me now, the deathless voices. Child of God, lift up your head. Patriarchs from the distant ages, saints all longing for their heaven. Prophets, psalmists, seers, and sages all await the glory given. And this is our prayer too. Amen. This week's special hymn is the Hymn of Promise. The Hymn of Promise. It's uh, by Natalie Sleeth, and uh, it reminds us of the eternity that we can look forward to and the resurrection that is to come. In the bulb there is a flower, in the seed an apple tree, in cocoons a hidden promise, butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and snow of winter, there is spring that waits to be, unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. There's a song in every silence, seeking word and melody. There's a dawn in every darkness, bringing hope to you and me. From the past will come the future, what it holds a mystery, unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. In our end is our beginning, in our time, infinity, in our doubt, there is believing, in our life, eternity, in our death, a resurrection, at the last, a victory, unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. And our key passage this week comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 42 to 44. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in physical body. It is raised in spiritual body. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44. Well, we're going to get started with our discussion here in just a moment, and I'll invite Bethany in over the internet airwaves and uh, have some discussion with her about tonight's topic. But before I do, I'd like to tell you that this is Lesson 28, Resurrection, and it is 28 of 30 lessons. I know I've mentioned it to being as much as 36 lessons because I get this one confused with uh, the uh uh, Christian, uh, excuse me, with the Disciple Bible Study, which is a little bit longer. So anyway, this Christian Believer one is 30 lessons, and so that means in a couple of weeks we're going to be done. Now, that will time out so that I will be taking a week off uh, for some personal recreation, and, uh, and then a week after that we'll begin again. So in about three weeks, we need to have a new topic. Now, I have some ideas, but I would welcome your input. So please, Take this moment to think about what you'd like to study next, and there's really no limit. I'll take on anything you want me to. We can study any book of the Bible you like. We can study verses or answer questions. If you send me questions and I get more than one or two, uh, I could do a series of weeks on that particular question. But right now, it's open forum. If you send me your questions or you send me your topics, I will put those in uh some kind of format, and we'll do a uh, virtual Bible study, church classroom, 
on whatever topics you choose. Otherwise, we might pick a book from the Bible and study it and uh, just go through it that way. So give it some thought and get in touch with me. You can do that through the app that you're listening with. You can do that through uh, our website at shilohum.org. And uh, I'd be glad to talk to you. So let me know what you want to study. And now let's, uh, let's find Bethany and get busy talking about tonight's topic or today's topic. And we're back with Bethany now, and I'm excited to have you here again, daughter. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good. Well, it's been so much more fun since you started helping me, and I keep getting such nice feedback from people about uh, hearing us interact. So, uh, you know, all seven of the listeners to this podcast uh, really enjoy now that you've been added to the <laughs> menagerie. There might be a few more than seven, but it's definitely not going to be an internet sensation. So that's fine. You know, it's just a mechanism for mm -hmm. helping people, and that's what we do. So this week's topic is resurrection of the body. It's uh, lesson number 28 from Christian Believer. And uh, so when I, when I say uh, that the topic is the resurrection of the body, what comes to mind first? You know, what, what are your first thoughts on the Christian doctrine of bodily resurrection? Yeah. That uh, it means Jesus is coming? Or, well, I guess that technically Jesus came if it's resurrection of the body, that that already happened. Yeah, you know, see, here's here's what you did last week, and you're doing it again this week. You you are so smart that you think ahead of me. You overthink it. Just answer the question. When I say resurrection of the body, what does that mean to you? Okay. The, the body's not dead. Yeah, okay. And and how is resurrection different from, let's say, uh, you know, someone's heart stops beating and I perform CPR and I revive them? Because when I think of resurrection, I think like, no, they definitely did. Yeah, right. And then they're coming and they're not coming back in that same body either. Aha. Uh -huh. So resurrection body. We have two stories in the New Testament involving Jesus where yes. someone is dead for a few days and comes back to life. Right. One is his friend, Lazarus. Yes. And one is Jesus. Right. But Jesus Lazarus was Right. Okay. So tell me about that. What, what's the difference between what Lazarus did and what Jesus did? Well, Jesus brought him back to life, but he wasn't in his resurrected form. He was in the same form as when he went in the grave. Yeah. Yeah. But when Jesus rose, he was in his resurrected form. Yep. Like, there were other things going on. Okay. All right. And Jesus, on the other hand, yeah. Okay, so, so that's the first thing. So the, 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 uh, the resurrection of the body was at the heart of Christian preaching in the early days. I mean, they were really adamant about um, the the fact that people were not just going to uh, go to heaven when they die, that there would come a day of resurrection. Um, this belief even was a point of contention between certain Jews and other Jews. You know, um, there's an old joke, you know, the Sadducees, are the ones who didn't believe in the bodily resurrection, and that's why they were sad, you see. And then there is the Pharisees and a lot of the, the mainline Jews believed that there is a bodily resurrection. So that concept's not new with Jesus. However, okay. so, so why would Christians preach it so uh, intensely when they come... Uh, you know, after Jesus, that is, you know, what do you think that the difference between the, the, uh, you, this is what you opened with, by the way, if you're wondering where I'm going with this, um, 
what's the difference between the Christian version of resurrection and the Jewish version of resurrection? So are are you saying that it's because we have the Messiah and they're still waiting? Yeah, I mean, so you said that 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 Jesus was when you think of resurrection, you think of Jesus' second coming. Isn't that the first thing you said? Yeah. Yeah. So so basically, I'm just pulling on that now. I'm saying, well, so the Christian version of resurrection was was an idea that that uh, wasn't new to the people who were hearing it, especially in Jerusalem, but. But what was different about the Christian version is, is that they were making Jesus the central figure. Uh, the Apostle okay. Paul saying that Jesus is the firstborn of the resurrected dead. You know, that, that there is a, a sense in which Paul is saying, resurrection has already started. You know, it hasn't finished yet, but it's definitely started. So that's Christian resurrection. Yeah. And and that's different because so so let's talk about this for a minute. We talked about the difference between reanimation or or kind of reversing three or four days worth of dead in the case of Lazarus versus the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you talk to your kind of garden variety average church or person who would call themselves Christian but isn't particularly educated in the Bible or anything or well-informed, you know, you, you're, you're really, you know, that person that you meet on the street who says, well, I'm Christian, you know, they will probably tell you that resurrection and, and life after death are the same thing. But we're really not talking about the same thing, are we? No. So what's your understanding of the difference between the immortality of our soul and the bodily resurrection? I guess my understanding is that when I die, my body's going to rot, but my soul is going to be in heaven with Jesus, with God. But when it comes to resurrection and the second coming, there's going to be a body for me. And my soul's going to, I guess, be back in that body. And so it's gonna, there's going to be more of a physical presence again. But the body that I died in, that one's going to be gone, long gone. Okay. So the resurrection versus the immortality of the soul, you could sum up in the reality that, that we have an immortal soul that God has saved from death of the soul. And so, like you said, when we die... Our bodies might rot in the ground or, you know, unfortunately, sometimes bodies are destroyed or reduced to dust in, in yeah. death. And, and so the question is, as well, okay, so the soul is in heaven with God, but then when the resurrection comes, what if there's no body to put the soul back in, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I have an answer for that, or at least I think there's an answer for that, but... So I'm just kind of recapping, <coughs> excuse me, what you've said. So, go ahead. for that, that he's God. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the answer is God. <laughs> you know, God is the one who spoke creation into existence right. from nothing, you know. That, that whole concept of God as the holy other being should cause us to naturally conclude that, therefore, God is the only being who can make something from nothing. Yeah. I can make all kinds of things if you give me the materials and the tools, but God makes anything God wants from nothing, and there's the difference. So if there's even a remote energy signature of you in the physical sense left, you know, people... People with a rudimentary understanding of basic physical science would tell you that they get that even though things may change in their appearance, they're not really gone. Um, You know, uh, smoke, for example, is unburnt remnants of whatever you lit on fire. So, you know, if I build a fire in my fireplace and the 
wood is reduced by the heat and the flames down to ash and smoke. Well, the smoke itself is particles of wood. It's just minute microscopic particles. So, you know, if you argued that someone was reduced to dust in death and there was nothing left to restore, that wouldn't take into account that God can reassemble molecules and atoms and and you know protons and neurons and all that jazz you know that god <laughs> god designed it god ought to know how to put it back together i was just going to say i guess the scientific law should be amended to say matter cannot be created or destroyed unless god yeah yeah which you know is one of those things where some people worship science and some people worship god but believing scientists even if they're just nominal believers in God, simply are acknowledging that, that, that the creator has the capacity to be beyond science. And, you know, that's worthy of recognition, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, anyway, that's another discussion that I can get really wound up about, as you know, because it kind of bothers me that people think that somehow they're, uh, not submitting to the silliness of religion because they believe in science. And I keep thinking, you know, it just sounds like a religion by another name, but oh well. And some of us love science because of God and yeah. because of intelligent design. To me, science reveals God, and God is not taking away anything from, in fact, it's a it, revelation that comes through science is God's way of saying, I made you guys pretty smart. And there are no secrets I've hidden from you. I'm just waiting for you to discover them. And I happen to think you've got the ability. So good job. Keep up the good work. I mean, what if God was like that? That'd really mess with the, you know, some people's heads anyway. So, so anyway, I digress. So so back to the resurrection of the body. And, and you know, I think one of the best examples we have in popular culture of how plausible it is that God could resurrect the dead no matter what state they are in is that the science behind the Jurassic Park movies is solid it's just not technically possible yet as far as we know but it it's yeah, as far as we know it's entirely plausible though and it stands to reason that if men humanity can conceive of a way to bring back to life something that you have even the minutest remnant of from a long extinct animal, you know, well, if we've conceived of a way to do it, then chances are God already thought of it, you know, so, (laughs) so I'm confident the bodily resurrection is not beyond God's ability. So the question really is, is our doctrine of bodily resurrection and what does it mean? And it kind of goes along with what we talked about in the last couple of weeks about the, the fact that God has a full circle agenda that that the resurrection of the body is another part of God's plan for creation. And so when we looked at the scriptures this week, in Genesis, we saw the story of the creation of life. Mm-hmm. And and if that isn't, you know, if, if a person who is, you know, kind of an earth sciences major, if they read with an open mind, the book of Genesis, the first chapters of Genesis, they would see a completely reasonable and rational description of how God creates. There is the physical and there's the spiritual, which we talk about a lot, as you know, but there's this physical thing where God, you know, pulls the various elements together to create whatever God wants to. But then the unique thing about humanity is, is that God breathes God's life into the humanity. And so the the Genesis account says that we're made in God's image, but it doesn't describe any other creature having God breathed life into it. And that's because of this careful study of the word for breathing, infuseo, uh, in this particular context is God putting a spirit in them, you know, that that when God breathes life into the human beings, it's not just like, you know, if I do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on somebody who stopped breathing and they come back to life, I didn't breathe life into them, I reactivated their lungs. So what God did is God gave spirit, God gave the being that we 
that person we know is inside. Have you ever wondered about, I don't want to go off on this. <laughs> people, people think about themselves. And it's funny if you get down to it, you're the psychology person. We have an ego, right? We, we think about ourselves and it's kind of funny how we are us. But we can think about us almost sort of subjectively or like we're someone else, you know, like like we have a way of thinking about ourselves and contemplating our existence that is kind of amazing when you think about it, because we're both the subject and the object at the same time We're, you know, so so that would be where we get this concept of being. And then in. um, uh and then in the book of Job, you know, this is this is one I use in funerals all the time. You know, uh, Job is a story that tells us about the mortality of humanity, the fact that we all die. Yeah. And, and yet he makes this statement to his wife that is so profound. You know, she says, just curse God and die. And he says, look, I know there's a day when I will see in my flesh with my own eyes the Redeemer, you know. So long before there was much of a Jesus concept in anybody's mind, in the old book of Job, he was saying, I believe there's going to be a day of resurrection, and in my flesh I'm going to experience the Creator's presence. So that's what we got out of that. And then we get into the New Testament, right? And um, this is where the topic shifts. So why would God resurrect the dead. So here, there's the big question. So now we know that God can do it, or we agree that God can do it. So the question is, why? What's in it for God to resurrect the dead? Well, I think it all is circling back again. Because when he created the earth and he created Eden and everything, he wanted it to be this paradise and he wanted it to be where he was with the people he had created and we messed it up. So then he had a plan in place for that too. So he's resurrecting the dead because the plan's not finished yet. And he's got to resurrect the dead because there's people who aren't, they aren't going to, they're not, he's got to bring them back. I don't know if I'm making sense, but like the plan's not complete yet. Yeah. So there's resurrection because he's got to bring back the people who died in the faith before the plan reached fruition. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take a long shot here and go off of what you said by, by kind of making God a little more human and a little less like God just to make a point. But if God's plan was to live with the people in harmony in the place we called Eden, if the plan was is to always be with them and them to always be with God, and then sin entered in and their lives became shortened, yeah, all of a sudden they're not eternal anymore. They're going to die. God knows this. They're going to toil and suffer. There's going to be pain in childbirth. There's there's going to be conflict with sin throughout the ages. There's going to be sickness and disease and wars. And God knows all of this. Do you suppose God was grieved when it when when the you know consequences of sin were introduced into the human condition? Absolutely. You know, so so once God's justice is satisfied, once his righteousness is is seen through to its completion, then the logical outcome is to restore the conditions that had been the plan all along. And that's what I just heard you say. So mm-hmm. so God's why is because he loves us. Yeah. And to the, you know, the interesting thing about the resurrection, this is going to be our topic. Uh, well, I'm not going to wait and get to it. Let's just do it now. What's what's a resurrection body going to be like, do you think? I mean, given what we know from Scripture, what's resurrection body like versus... So how was it for Lazarus and how was it for Jesus as far as his physicality is concerned? Well... I'm a little iffy on this because I feel like 
Like one of the things that's pointed out with Jesus when he comes back is that he still has the scars and stuff. But I'm a little iffy on that because I feel like maybe he has the scars as proof. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know about like if I because I feel like we're going to have a pretty clean slate in terms of like health of our bodies and stuff. And I think with Jesus, it was very specific. There was a reason he had those things. But I, I, I would the, say I agree with you about that. I get the impression we're kind of like, you're going to laugh at me because I've said this to you before, but I kind of feel like we're going to have superpowers. Well, that's because not. He, yeah, go ahead. He just pops up out of nowhere and it's really awesome. Yeah. And then disappears out of nowhere and like phases in and out of walls and doors. And yeah, I feel like we might get superpowers. Yeah, and, and for the benefit of those who are listening and maybe don't know how often we've talked about this, <laughs> we've, we've you know, uh, we're basing this discussion on our reading of Jesus, the resurrected Lord, you know. So, in other words, um, Christians will celebrate here in, in several weeks the resurrection of Jesus and we'll read the story of how he was dead, really, really definitely dead. Definitely and dead. Ab- absolutely completely dead. Not only mostly dead, but actually completely dead. And then <laughs> on the third day, he is resurrected. That is, he emerges from the tomb, not like Lazarus, a reanimated body, but a new creation, so to speak, that is the same person, but in the perfected body. And there's where you are saying, so what do we know about Jesus after the resurrection? Like you said, he shows up in rooms where the doors are locked. He, he, uh, you know, he's in Jerusalem one day and then he's down on the road to Emmaus the next or or within hours. And and he's in, uh, uh, you know, he's in Galilee. He's just, he is wherever he needs to be. He's seen and then he's not seen. And uh, so yet he's physical because he tells Thomas, you know, touch the wounds, feel, you know, I'm hungry, give me something to eat. You know, he says these things in a way that tells you that he's as real as he ever was, but he has certain superpowers, like you say. And uh, so we get the feeling that as resurrected beings, we will probably have uh, certain qualities that we don't have now. And it's kind of like... and this is where I love the science, but I'm very poor at discussing it. Um, I have certain surf, certain uh, sources that I like to refer to on this, but in this podcast, I'm not going to direct you to them. I'm just going to tell you that you should probably do some research because you'll find that there are people who can explain the science and will explain to you that it's entirely plausible that with just a few tweaks from the creator – we could do all kinds of things that we can't do right now. That there's a lot more. There's a lot more. There's a lot more about our existence right now that we don't understand than we do understand. That 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 there's a certain uh, matrix-like quality to our existence right now, and that it may turn out that after the resurrection, we are seeing more than right now we can see. Um, You know, we like to talk about going up to heaven, for example, but in all likelihood, heaven is right here, just outside of sight, just outside of our perception. You know, it's things like that. So there's a whole metaphysical side to Christianity that's fun to talk about, but you have to be a little thoughtful about who who you talk about it with. Just like I happen to know that Bethany is really hoping there will be dinosaurs on the new earth (laughs) because she wants to pet one you know she'd like to pet a dinosaur that doesn't eat her for it you know (laughs) and and you know what that's fine i you know if she wants to do that i say more power to her you know i i want to fly you know i want to soar like superman i i i just want to then you with a pterodon well okay all right well, why? <laughs> uh, it's kind of interesting. I've perfected this uh, uh, software that I've been using to record both of us as well as I can within my uh, limited knowledge. 
and I'm beginning to notice that if I'm speaking, it sort of cancels you out. I have to be silent, and then all of a sudden I can hear the background noise where you are. So watch what happens. I'm going to be silent. Now you oh, speak. I'm supposed to talk now? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> See? I thought you wanted us to both be silent. Well, now that wouldn't be very good for the listeners no, at home. That wouldn't be great for it. a podcast at all. I was very confused. You know, if, if we don't get back on the topic here, we're going to lose them for sure. So so we have this assurance. This is what I was driving at in, in a, moment, a moment ago. We In Matthew, we basically read that God cares. God's invested in us, and so the resurrection of the body is all part of God's resurrection, or is all part of God's love. It's all part of God's plan, and and therefore, uh, you take it a step further. And in the Gospel of John, and this is this is the play. These are the pages that I love to read out loud. In the Gospel of John, we have these long speeches by Jesus, and in my Bible, they're in red ink, and they're fun to read because they're just magnificent. And they're so just, they just tear at your soul when you realize you're speaking. I don't know if if Jesus has, not if, since Jesus has referred to Jesus' self as I am on numerous occasions, it stands to reason that every time I read the red ink out loud, it is as though he is saying it the very first time. Sort of like, oh. you know, sort of like when God says I am to Moses, you know. Yeah. And so when Jesus is talking in John, he says that we're far more connected with God and with him than we realize. And that that in a way, the resurrection of the body is going to be a great victory or a great uh, joy to God, the creator, because it's God restoring a part of God's self back into God's self, you know, that that God could say, quite honestly, I've been incomplete because I made you to complete myself in a way, and now I'm complete again because we're it's all we're it's all back together again, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what. Now I know it sounds like a stretch if you've never really thought beyond what Jesus is saying in those words in John, but. But really, he's giving a description of the nature of his relationship with God and how his relationship with God affects our relationship with God and puts us all together. And then we get to Paul, the apostle, who is really the guy who kind of puts it all together for us. He knits it together, Old and New Testament, as only the apostle Paul could. And he, you know, he's the he's the Pharisee who went to Gamaliel U. He is the guy who knows this stuff inside and out. And he's a Christian now. And he turns this thing into a complete package. And he says, look, the resurrection of the body is a building of God. It's a, it's a, it's something God constructs and we're like the blocks, you know, that, that, that there's a sense that God is complete because we have been completely restored to God. Now we're restored to God in spirit through Jesus. But after the resurrection, we're really literally restored to God. We're like Adam and Eve. We can hear him walking in the garden in the cool of the evening. And we can pop up and say, Hey God, now, that's a little bit lame, but you know, Oh, yeah. Go on. No, I wasn't going to say. I was just agreeing with you. So resurrection as a doctrine of the church is basically a statement of faith in God's love for us and God's determination to put things right. And resurrection uh, is is, uh, for us just as it was for Jesus that it has certain practical implications. Now, here's an interesting idea. And don't, don't you think that there are people out there, I bet even you, Bethany, have wondered, well, now, if God resurrects every person who died in faith and was judged to be worthy of resurrection, isn't it going to get a little crowded around here? I haven't actually had that thought. Wow. 
I know. <laughs> I've actually heard people say yeah. that. I'm over here thinking about dinosaurs and stuff. I wasn't even concerned about the number of people. Yeah, yeah. You know. But I'm not too worried about it, though. Yeah, I would uh, I would say that God's got this, and 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 <laughs> real Bible scholars will take it even further than I have, and they'll tell you that that uh, there's a sense that God is going to build this this uh, new Jerusalem apartment complex. It's going to be like the the biggest uh, high rise ever, and it's going to house virtually everyone who is. Uh, resurrected it's it's this it's this uh, millennial uh, kingdom thing um gosh you know if people aren't really if they're not kind of versed in this stuff they're probably thinking i'm making it all up but but if you tie together or some of the stuff you read in revelation and and you tie together uh various other sources within scripture and you pull it all together to this picture of the time when jesus comes in victory um, there's this thousand year reign of Jesus and there's this description of streets of gold and, you know, and, and it's like, we're going to be on this, uh, you know, incredibly massive cube. And I actually heard a scholar many years ago who did the math and took all the revelation, uh, dimensions that describe the new Jerusalem. And he actually calculated how many billion people you could house in there and how many square feet each person would have. And there was room to spare. <laughs> <laughs> now, I wish I could give that to you, right? I wish I could remember where I heard that and I could point it out to you. But when you dig in, you know, I right before I got you online here, I was uh, telling the listeners that I wanted them to give me their suggestions for topics. And, you know, maybe somebody's going to say that one, you know, and then I'd have to do my homework yep. and dig it up and say, OK, so here's that thing I was talking about. Uh, here's where the dimensions are given. This is how this guy came up with this crazy figure. Um, I've people like that are amazing to me and I enjoy listening to them, but my faith isn't the kind where I have to have those kinds of explanations for things. Um, but my imagination is sufficient that I'd be bored without them, you know, so I'm sort of like both. I, I want to, I want, I believe I think this is where I'm like St. Anselm of Canterbury. I I believe because of, you know, my faith, I seek knowledge. You know, it's not like I uh, sought the knowledge and that informed my faith. It's my faith. Uh, my faith informs my knowledge, you know. So I'm content with what I believe but can't fully explain, but I am more uh, entertained by trying to figure it out just than I am dependent upon figuring it out. Right. So... That's uh, uh, so okay on this on this topic of resurrection. We're this one's actually not as long as as a previous lesson, but but basically the 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 resurrection is a gift to us, and it seems a gift to God. And uh, there's a recommended reading. It's kind of interesting too. Uh, uh, Doctor Callis recommends reading C.S. Lewis's novel, The Great Divorce. And what's really interesting is someone I ran into at church just the other day had told me that they just reread that and wondered if I'd ever read it. And I said, you know, I've read a lot of C.S. Lewis stuff, but I don't think I've read that one. And I so, was just sitting here thinking that. Yeah. And, I was like, I've read so many, but not that one. Yeah. You know, and here it is, uh, Dr. Callis, the author of our study, recommending that we should read that. And what's interesting is, is that Lewis has that fantastic way of being able to take these things and transfer them into a story that illustrates these highly complex issues yes. and and uh, and it makes sense out of them. And so even in the title, I can see what's happening here. You know, the great divorce is basically the casting out of the Garden Eden, the sin, the sin and the separation and uh, and so what is the resurrection? It's like the great reconciliation. You know, uh, it's, yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's really cool. And now I, too, am tempted to find this book. I'll probably get it on Audible and listen to it because it just. <laughs> and when you get it on Audible, I will listen to it. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> I don't want to put that on the Internet. 
I didn't say anything. Just like as long as you have Netflix, I can watch shows. (laughs) Shh. Oh, my goodness. We're going to find out just how far reaching this podcast is now. (laughs) Because the cyber cops are going to get me. Oh, man. Well, is there anything else you want to say about the resurrection? What what else could we say except that that you I know, think it's going to be the most amazing thing ever. You know, let's let's end with a really important thing that I maybe should have opened with. There are people who may be listening to this or still thinking, okay, but you haven't really helped me understand this. So let me give a really dumbed down explanation. And Bethany, you can be my sounding board and you can. Okay. You, so, so we are conceived by our parents and our being comes into existence. We are people with an ego and a being inside this flesh. Eventually, this flesh wears out, dies, gets broken, whatever. And our soul departs the flesh for a time. And in faith in Christ, we believe that our soul goes into the presence of God. There are those who can show you evidence in Scripture that we would know each other in heaven or the place where God is though we will not be bodily present with God or each other, we will know each other. Yeah, yes. And then on the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes again, Scripture informs us that our bodies will rise from wherever they are, restored or resurrected in a new made form. And that's actually easier for us to imagine when we think of those who have been dead so long that there's not much left of their body to restore. And so resurrection as a concept is much easier to imagine with the long dead than it is those who have just passed away within the last few minutes because we were tempted to think that they were revived. Mm-hmm. And so when we think of resurrection, it's even easier when we imagine people who died hundreds of years ago being resurrected because we get that that is a new body built on the old design, you know, so it's still you. And uh, there's a sense that after that day, there will be a lot of empty graves in the world and uh, a lot of empty sunken ships and a lot of, you know, naked crash sites and you know you just go on and on right you know it's just a sense that that god's going to put it all back and that's resurrection and then that is a presence with god that is uh led by jesus in that day and so we're not like in god's presence in the same sense that we are when we are in heaven after death we're actually with jesus working Jesus's plan, having the big supper with Jesus, you know, that kind of thing. Big, big house. So does that sound about right? Yeah. I mean, if you were explaining it to your students, and I don't mean to suggest that you would do such a thing in the public school, but I mean, really, if you're trying to explain it to one of your kids, does my explanation pretty much express the difference? Yeah, I mean, with kids, I think you'd have to tell them that it's not going to be zombies. Yeah, yeah. But Remember the kid in our church in Muncie who said, "Uh, I'm really into zombies, and the way I read scripture, it sounds like zombies are going to be walking the earth. (laughs) Okay, we got to talk about that. It'll be zombies. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think otherwise, that's pretty spot on. Okay, so, um, gosh, anything else you want to say about that? No, I'm going to stick with I think it's going to be really amazing. Well, do me a favor and close your part of this by inviting our listeners to submit their topics, because I did, but maybe they'll listen to you. Okay. Um, Listeners, friends out there in the Internet world, It would be super awesome if you would submit any kind of topics that you want my dad and I to discuss because we're going to be wrapping up with Christian Believers soon and we need new things to talk about and what better to talk about than what you want us to talk about. And I'm doing emotions, but you can't see them. 
<laughs> that works. Thank you, sweetie. I sure love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye. So some of the things we talked about today in summary is we, we spoke of the resurrection, and that is both a spiritual and physical thing. We talked about the fact that the uh, soul is eternal and immortal thanks to Jesus Christ, and therefore when we die, our flesh may be laid to rest, but our souls reside with God in a place Jesus called paradise, a place that might be called Eden. In any case, it's in the presence of God. And while we don't have the same bodies while we're there, we are known and knowable. The resurrection, on the other hand, is a physical body. And uh, our body is then known as the temple of the Holy Spirit that is bought with a price. Uh, and it is, as the Apostle Paul said, the perishable that has become imperishable. Uh, the resurrection of the body is, is a culmination of God's ultimate plan that requires wholeness of soul and body. And so it means that the dead would be raised to new life, that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the first fruits of the resurrected dead, that through this act of grace and love of God, death is destroyed, and God has redeemed creation. Now, here's some questions for you to ponder, and uh, I hope that uh, you really take this part of the exercise seriously, that the, the whole idea of holiness of heart and mind is that it would engage your mind in critical thinking, which is something that I believe is at the core of Wesleyan doctrine, is uh, that we would engage our brain and that our faith would be informed uh, not by our knowledge, but our knowledge informed by our faith, and uh, that our knowledge would be something that is a natural outcome or expression of faith. So, how can a contemporary city dweller have uh, any such feeling of, of this new creation, this resurrection community that will exist in, uh, in the days when Christ comes to reign and our bodies have been resurrected and everybody uh, is here? You know, ask somebody who lives in a crowded city how they think that would work and uh, what do you think they would say? And as you read Job's uh, faith cry that, in my flesh I will see God, what do you think he meant by that? And what are the contemporary religious and cultural philosophies uh, that you think are, are similar to uh, what was called Gnosticism? In other words, the sense that Jesus wasn't really resurrected uh, in the flesh, but that his spirit came back and that he gave us the illusion of his presence, that somehow we were seeing a ghost of Jesus in the resurrection, but a very convincing one. How do you reconcile with that idea? And uh, if you're Dan Brown fans, have you been able to pick up on on how uh, his various books, especially the Da Vinci Code, sort of... Uh, titillate the expression of Gnosticism and some of the more uh, uh, heretical beliefs that are out there. And as you contemplate the issues of resurrection of the body, what are the questions that trouble you? What, what's reassuring to you? Think about that. You know, if you're really in a committed study relationship with God, knowing heart and mind, uh, maybe you're keeping a journal or making notes and, uh, this would be something for you to wrestle with in your writing. So are you convinced? Do you believe then that the bodily resurrection is a real thing that we can look forward to? If so, you may want to join in uh, this week's Statement of Faith because we, the church, believe in the resurrection of the body I will treat my body as a sacred gift of God and as a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Because we, the church, believe in the resurrection of the body, I will treat my body 
as a sacred gift of God and as a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Well, we're down to two more lessons next week. Number 29, World and Life Without End, Eternal Life. What's that going to be like? What can we expect when we are living in the promised resurrection, uh, when we go to the ultimate promised land that Jesus has in store for us? World and Life Without End, number 29 of 30, next week on the Christian Believer Study Knowing God with Heart and Mind podcast. I hope this continues to be a blessing for you. I hope that uh, if it is, you would take the time to let us know. And now, especially as we come to the conclusion of this study, that you would send us, uh, send me an email or, or a message or communicate to me in some way something of interest to you that you'd like us to study. You've heard me and Bethany tell you uh, that we would love to build this around your interests. This is our virtual church classroom, and uh, as much as I wish I could have a cup of coffee with each and every one of you, uh, some of you will just have to drink a cup of coffee while you're listening to this, and imagine me drinking mine while I present this. And uh, and if you like tea, go for it. Soft drinks, okay, but keep it, you know, take care, because we're trying to take care of our bodies, remember? And some of those soft drinks are pretty rough on the body. Uh, enough parenting. Now... Please plan to tune in next week for number 29. And uh, don't forget that this is an extension of the ministry of my pastoral leadership at Shiloh United Methodist Church. And therefore, if you are in the vicinity of Jasper, Indiana and Southwest Indiana, uh, we'd love to have you join us. And uh, I think you'd probably find some great friendship there and uh, some blessing in the, in the worship and uh, the fellowship of the believers. And if you're not part of a church somewhere, wherever you are, consider going to some church this weekend. And I know that there aren't always churches that feel just right to you, and that's okay. God in His grace has provided us with the freedom to worship in a variety of ways, in a variety of places, and with people uh, that we get and who get us. So keep looking, and you will find the place. And... Uh, Rest assured that if you came to my church and said, well, I'm, I'm looking right now, and then I didn't see you again, I wouldn't be troubled deeply by that because I would assume that you meant what you said and that you're just trying to find the right place. And if you come back, then you know you'll be welcomed and you will be received and you will be fed and you will be able to engage and join in the life of believers as a fully functional Christian. Well, that's all for now. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And uh, I'll see you next time. Bye.